uh, good to see you. And uh, here in Surrey, it's glorious sunshine. So I trust it's the same wherever you are as we come on today to worship our God. Um, you will notice uh, on some of the pictures that the name Heathervale appears. It's not that we're trying to um, remember where we're from. Um, the leaders were on a training course yesterday and um, we had to put um, the initials of our church, except there were Hawley Baptist Church as well as Heathervale Baptist Church. So we had to spell it out uh, who we were. Uh, and at the moment, I can't seem to find how to change it back again. I changed it easy yesterday, but today, not a chance. But never mind. Um, a couple of notices just uh, before we start. Uh, a prayer notice uh, as usual. Uh, if you would like prayer after the service, please text Steve uh, and include your name to 07941 475 680. And at the end of the service, Steve will put you into a, a prayer room where someone from the prayer team will uh, be in there as well to pray for you. So at any time during the service, just text Steve and uh, with your name and he'll do that for you. Uh, for head of our church members, um, just a reminder, there is a church meeting on Tuesday uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, Evelyn has already sent you the link uh, for that and hopefully you've all received the agenda so you know what's uh, coming. So let me start by... Uh, Reading Psalm 95 and verses 1 to 7. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are his people, the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So let's sing for joy to the Lord and hand over to Sarah and Sam to lead us. Thank you.
Father, we look forward to that time <clears throat> where we will see you face to face in your kingdom, where we can stand amazed in your presence and live with you forever. And we thank you that it's nothing that we have done to deserve that, but it's all through the grace and through the Lord Jesus Christ that we have a hope for eternity through Jesus Christ. But until that time comes, there is much to do here in your world, here on earth. And we need to be able to have that time to spread the good news so that many more will come into the kingdom and be able to experience all that we can experience here on earth and for eternity. But Father, we do pray for all those in the fellowships that we represent, our families and our friends who need a touch of your hand at this time. We pray that you will send your spirit to meet with those who are laid aside through sickness and that he will touch those areas of their bodies and bring healing. We particularly pray for Eve this morning as she's in hospital. Lord, we just pray for her safety and her care and that through the skill of doctors and nurses that she will be brought back to full health. And Lord, we trust that that will happen and she will be able to come home this afternoon. Lord, we pray for Steve and the family too, and just pray that you will hold the whole family close to your heart and surround them with your love and your care at this time. We pray for all those who are feeling anxious again with an increased spread of coronavirus, and for those that are facing um, their future with or without employment. Lord, we pray that you will bring to each one of them a peace that passes understanding, the peace that only you can give. Surround them with your love and your care and assure them that you have them safe in the palm of your hand. And we lift before you all of those who are returning or starting university in the next few weeks. We pray for Sophie, for Chloe, for Sam and for Louis, that you will be close to them during this time and keep them safe and well. We pray that Sam and Louis will find new friends and settle in very quickly into their new environment at university. That you will bring to them Christian friends that they can share friendship and fellowship with. We pray that they will all enjoy their subjects that they are studying and will enjoy university life. We pray too for the parents and families that they will know God's peace as these of our fellowship go and then knowing that they can leave them in your tender care. And as we face these uncertain times in our community, in our nation 
and in the world. We ask you, Lord, to dwell among us. We are comforted by the knowledge that you alone are our Saviour and Lord and the ultimate creator of life. We trust our community and our nation to your loving care. Send your spirit to touch the hearts of our nation's leaders. Give them the wisdom to know what is right and the courage to do it. Give us your light and your truth to guide us in our ways so that we may seek your will in our lives and impact the world around us for your kingdom and for your sake. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Amen. Martin's going to share the uh, All A's talk with us. So over to you, Martin. Morning, everybody. Give us a wave. There we all are. Brilliant. Good to see you. Um, later on in the service, um, I'm going to be looking at uh, the theme of, of justice. Now, justice basically means to treat all people, whatever their background, nationality, uh, education, equally. Um, and it's about giving people their rights. It's about giving people what they are due, uh, their protection, care, education, equal rights um, and justice under the law. Now, there's a story that Jesus told, um, one of his parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan, that illustrates what is it, what does it mean to do justice? And who is the neighbour that we should do justice to? So let's have a look at the video, which tells the story. The Miracle of Mercy, the Good Samaritan. This is Jesus, who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. You see, when Jesus was on earth, he wanted everyone to know what God thought about things. So he took every opportunity to teach people about God's heart. <clears throat> One day, a religious expert stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? <laughs> what does the law say? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> right. All right. Do this and you will live. Wait. The man then asked, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. La 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 la, la 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 la, la 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 la, Another man who worked in the temple who was called a Levite walked over and looked at him lying there. Uh, huh? But he also passed by on the other side. Then a Samaritan came along. Samaritans were hated by Jews. They were seen as lesser people and Jews would not interact with them. But when the Samaritan saw the man, 
he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. One room, please. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Thank you, Martin, for sharing that with us. Um, over the last um, few weeks, we've been having testimony from dis different people, and uh, Barbara is going to share with us this morning her and Mike's involvement in the Beeson project. So, Barbara, if you unmute yourself and uh, share with us, please. Thank you. I became involved with Woking Beeson about a year ago. I did not know what Beeson was or what it did until I picked up a leaflet in a church. It was amongst other information, and I picked up just the Beeson information. At once, I wanted to help and know more about the work of Beeson. Briefly, Beeson's aim is to help sweep away suffering, a bridge between those who want to give and those in need. Mike was happy for me to go along and help. However, God had other plans and we are both now on the team. We collect and deliver furniture and household goods to those living in poverty. This could be families, <coughs> single parents, people restarting their lives after abuse or addiction, the elderly, the homeless, those just out of prison, the vulnerable, the marginalized. We work together as a team, encouraging each other and for myself learning from the team. When I go to the recipient's house to assess for their needs, it grieves me when I see bare floorboards, no curtains at the window, but a sheet for privacy, little furniture and their belongings in bags. You may see a photograph of happier times. This is not God's plan for their life. We listen to their story of how circumstances change their life. If appropriate, we are able to refer them to food bank, cap or jigsaw. It's such a privilege at the end of the assessment to be able to pray with them about their story and the way ahead for them as the Holy Spirit leads. On one occasion, a recipient prayed their own prayer. And as we journey to the next house, our prayer continues that they may experience perfect peace in Christ in the midst of their struggles and challenges. With the team, our day starts with worship, prayer and reflection and praying for any requested items that we do not have. How amazing God is who provides someone to call us offering that missing item. Sometimes it's straight away. As of yet, 
I've not been on the team delivering large items of furniture or white goods. Mike is normally on this team. So I do not experience the excitement of the recipients as they receive them. But I have had the pleasure of getting ready the small items for delivery, seeing all the beautiful things that have been donated and that are now waiting for a new home and trying to match colour if there is a colour thing. When told by the team that the referrals in Newhall had increased since Mike and I have been part of the team, it made me think of my first walk to Heatherbell Church when we had just moved to Surrey, which is past the mobile caravan park, through the park and along the back of some of the houses in Parkside. During this time, I sensed God's presence in such a strong way and for many, many weeks this continued as I walked past these houses, to which I cried out, Lord, what are you saying to me? These are the homes of our recipients, of most of our recipients who live in Newhall. And with God's help and equipping, Mike and I have reached out to these families, trying to be there for them during the pandemic, inviting them to the Let's Do Takeaway lunch at Heatherville, delivering welcome bags for newborn babies. And on Mother's Day, we delivered small buttonhole sized posies of flowers, mainly to the single mums. Being creative as the Lord leads, to him we give all the glory. We only have a small window of time with these families. Their homes are temporary and they move into larger premises. Sad for us, but we share Jesus and we pray for them. And we pray for someone else to continue to walk with them. There has been times of no response from them, but I'm learning to trust God more in this and not to become too disappointed. His will will be done. I remember on my first day at Beeson, I was asked what were my highs and lows. This was asked me when I come to the end of the day. I had been so overwhelmed of God's love being shown to these people in many ways. And there's a quote from a social worker. Practical needs have been met, which makes a huge difference in transforming houses into homes. This impacts on people's quality of life and their self-esteem. In Proverbs 3.27, we read, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it, when it is in your power to act. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara, for sharing that with us. Uh, well, it'll be good to pray for you and uh, the Beeson Project, so let's pray. Father, we pray for all those involved in the Beeson Project in our area and around the country. We thank you for all those involved, that their willingness to get involved and bring practical and spiritual help to all those in need. We pray for Mike and Barbara, that as they visit people in need in our community, that you will give them the words of wisdom to be able to speak and be able to meet their needs. We also pray for ourselves to now having heard about the work that you would challenge us on how we can support Beeson and how we can pray for Mike and for Barbara and their colleagues in this area. Lord, we pray that you will bless them in the work that you've called them to do and pray that you will give them fruit for their labour. 
Lord, we, we would just long to see some of these people that they visit come into a knowledge of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. to see them um, in our fellowship, uh, either by Zoom or, or in person when we reopen. Lord, we have a community uh, that needs to know the love, the care that Jesus Christ can offer. And Lord, we pray that through Mike, Barbara and their colleagues, that many in this area will know that and come to love you as Lord and Saviour. So we ask that you'll bless them in their work. In Jesus' name. Amen. I will read uh, uh, the passage for today, which is Proverbs 29 and verses 4 to 7. By justice, a king gives a country stability, but those who are greedy for bribes tear it down. Those who flatter their neighbours are spreading nets for their feet. Evildoers are snared by their own sin, but the righteous shout for joy and are glad. The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. We pray for Martin as he comes to share. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a light to our paths. And we pray for Martin now as he comes to share the words that you've laid on his heart for all of us to hear this morning. We pray that you'll bless him as he speaks and move by your spirit to open our hearts and minds to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Um, and thank you to Barbara for that um, really powerful, challenging uh, testimony about the work of Beeson. Um, one, one, I think one thing that we've all noticed in the news that lockdown has meant is that issues of injustice that were always there in our society have kind of been brought to the surface, um, whether it's uh, racial inequality or poverty, um, all of these issues have been intensified and brought to the service, the surface through uh, uh, through lockdown. Uh, the Joseph Roundtree Foundation have recently warned: in a society that believes in looking out for each other, it's just not right that the groups already more likely to be trapped in poverty before the pandemic, such as disabled people and those of black and Asian ethnicities, are those most likely to be pulled into even deep, deeper hardship by the current economic crisis. Well, the Bible and the book of Proverbs has much to say about these issues of justice. Um, a key verse in the whole of the New Testament is Micah 6, verse 8. This really is a summary of justice. What does the Lord require of you? to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. In other words, as Christians, we act justly, we do justice out of an attitude of loving mercy and humility. Those, that's the engine, if you like. An attitude of loving mercy and, and humility is the engine that drives the car of justice. The Hebrew word mishpat for justice means to treat all people equally. Um, now, this isn't just about treating pe people equally under the law. It also means giving people their rights. Proverbs 31 verse 9. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Um, so justice is giving people 
what they are due. We believe as Christians that God has given um, human beings the dignity of being created in his image, which is where human rights uh, philosophy comes from. It is biblical. Um, and um, throughout the Old Testament, ju justice describes taking up the care and the cause of those who are marginalized and those most likely to be the victims of injustice. So, for example, we find in Zechariah 7, verse 10, do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. And the reason that we're to defend the rights of the poor is that God is concerned about them. Psalm 146. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. And the Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. Notice how um, God is particularly concerned for justice for the poor, the fatherless, the widow, and the alien, or the stranger. Um, so there's, there's four groups that God is especially concerned that we do justice on behalf of. But we will find the poor and the, and the oppressed in many different forms in our local community. Those who are lonely and isolated and vulnerable. Those who are suffering from poor mental health. Those who are struggling to secure the universal credit that they need to support them. Those trapped in addictions and debt. Those who are struggling to access support for special educational needs. Those trapped in disability through poverty, uh, through disability or, or ill health or disaster. And Proverbs has a lot to say about the causes of injustice and poverty. So first of all, poverty caused by oppression. A poor man's field may produce abundant food, but injustice sweeps, sweeps it away. In other words, here is a field um, that is unplowed, and yet it produces uh, much food without cultivation. But injustice sweeps away um, the produce that should have been uh, making this person uh, wealthy. And these, these sort of conditions of oppression cause poor people to cry out for help. Proverbs 18, uh, verse 23. A poor man pleads for mercy, but a rich man answers harshly. The Proverbs observe that, in general, those with wealth and power tend to blame the poor for their condition. And this is because we are far more, we are prone to take far more credit for our wealth than perhaps we deserve. Now, Proverbs teaches, as we saw last week, that diligence and hard work often leads to wealth. That is there. But we cannot assume that poverty is always the result of laziness or of inactivity or passivity. Sometimes pe people are the victims of oppression and injustice. And that's where their poverty has come from. And sometimes when the wealthy look down on the poor and point the finger and say, well, that person has just not worked hard enough or is lazy or doesn't deserve anything. They forget that actually their wealth and their abilities and gifts and skills to earn that wealth have come from God. So even our gifts and abilities and our hard work are gifts of God. It is God who gives us wealth. We do not own that wealth. We are stewards of the gifts and the wealth that God has given to us. So we cannot afford to be um, condescending and patronizing 
towards people who are the victims of injustice and oppression and blame them for their position. We have to remember that all that we have and are is the gift of God and we are called to be generous and wise in the way that we use our wealth. And in every population there are many strong blameless people who have been swept up in the complex forces that create poverty. So righteous people can be poor. Proverbs 19 verse 4, better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. So although poverty is not a good thing, it, Proverbs says it's better to be poor and blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. In other words, it's possible to be poor and the victim of unrighteousness and oppression and yet be righteous. And we see that with Job, don't we? In the Old Testament, Job was stripped of everything that he had, and yet he was described as a righteous man. He didn't deserve the suffering that he went through. It was simply that he was being tested and he passed the test. His faith held up. Um, Proverbs 16 verse 8 says this, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. So it's better to be relatively poor and to be righteous than to be wealthy, but to be unjust. Um, unjust social systems are often the cause of poverty. I don't know if you saw Panorama on uh, Monday, but it was quite a, a shocking program. Um, it was highlighting that through lockdown, many families have been unable to access the psychological and educational support that they need for, for their children with educational needs. As a result, many children suffered at home with deteriorating mental health and their families suffered with them as their mental health deteriorated, so the family life became intolerable. There were cases on there with children with severe autism who just couldn't cope with uh, being locked down and, and the change in routine. And then, and their families suffered, and yet they couldn't access um, the psychological support or even access to education that they needed. And a lot of this is caused by unjust social systems. And often it's um, driven by postcode. Uh, just so happened that the programme focused on inner city Liverpool and the lack of funding from the local council there meant that many children who needed the support simply couldn't get it. And then there's poverty caused by misfortune, Proverbs 17, 5. He who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. So God, God has a particular concern about those who are poor because of disaster. Famine, floods, fires. We've seen horrendous fires, haven't we, in, in California this, these last few weeks. And of course, COVID-19. Um, you know, COVID-19 is causing its own economic disaster, isn't it, worldwide? And we're facing our own uh, economic disaster coming. I'll more about that later. But other things, disabling injuries, the death of a family's main breadwinner, all of these can be um, disasters or misfortunes that can cause poverty. There can also be a more slow-moving type of um, disaster, such as mass unemployment through COVID or the closure of a factory. And we must never look at those in worse circumstances and, and gloat over or feel smug. Now, we would never say it out loud, of course, we're too, far too polite and courteous, but we might feel indifferent or just, just in our own minds think, well, glad it's not me, glad I'm not in their position. 
that is not the, the heart of God for the poor. God has had a heart, has a heart of compassion. We must weep with those who weep. In October, on October the 11th, we'll be having a harvest appeal for COVID sufferers in Chad in Africa. Not only are Africans in Chad suffering from uh, uh, famine and uh, climate conditions that mean poor productivity, they also now have the added disadvantage of uh, COVID and all the um, healthcare provision that we take for granted just isn't there. And the BMS are providing infrastructure to provide quality healthcare hospitals for um, ministering to COVID sufferers in Chad. And we're supporting that ministry. And we'll be showing a video about that on October the 11th. So we can do something, we can give to alleviate the, the, the poor and the impressed and the, vi the victims of injustice. In our own nation, the COVID-19 um, pandemic has exacerbated poverty. I was just looking through some of the statistics um, uh, on the Joseph Roundtree website. So far, nearly 200,000 redundancies have been declared since the beginning of the COVID pandemic in this country. Uh, and this is going to surge further as the furlough scheme comes to an end in October. Um, you may well have family members who are the victims uh, of this already who are now looking for another job. The number of under 25s on universal credit has doubled from 250,000 to 538,000 during COVID, the COVID pandemic, and is likely to surge further. The Office for Budget Responsibility predict that by the end of this year, 12% or one in eight of the workforce will be unemployed. The Food Aid Network report the 177% increase in the number of emergency food parcels distributed by food banks, comparing May 2019 to May 2020. So in the past year, emergency food bank parcels have increased by two, nearly 200% nationally. The demands on our local food banks, on the Beeson project, on our Let's Do Lunch ministry are only going to increase as we move into the autumn and winter. As um, the furlough scheme comes to an end, as unemployment figures continue to rise, as those on universal credit numbers continue to rise, these ministries are going to become increasingly in demand. So going forward, we will be very busy um, in serving uh, the needs of the oppressed and the poor in our community. But there are, of course, many complex factors. It's not straightforward. In looking at the causes of poverty, we cannot be self-righteous about these things because we not only are we the recipients of God's grace ourselves, but poverty is often caused by intertwined complex issues. Now, it is true, of course, um, that the book of Proverbs encourages hard work and responsible behavior. Um, it's go to the ant, you sluggard, says um, Proverbs. In other words, look at the hardworking ant as a model. Don't be lazy work hard. So Proverbs 10 verse 4, lazy hands make a, a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Those who are diligent, wise, hardworking are promised wealth, generally speaking. But it is true, of course, that poverty can also be caused by a lack of self-discipline. For example, addictions to alcohol and drugs can be part of the iron cage that imprisons people in poverty. Proverbs 23 verse 20. 
Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. But in many cases, it's not a straightforward case of, well, this person deserves poverty and this person doesn't. Often the issues are complex and intertwined. Um, for example, a person born into a poor uh, inner city community is likely to experience poorer uh, health and social pressure and end up then dabbling in crime and drugs. That's a fact. The schools in these communities are often of a lower quality and there isn't always access to mental health support through insufficient funding as the Panorama programme last Monday highlighted in Liverpool. And Liverpool is not uh, an exception to the rule. It's, this is going on in cities throughout the UK. Now, some will rightly point to the unjust social systems at play, and others will rightly point to the breakdown of the nuclear family. These are key factors, of course, but we cannot in any case fault the children who are victims of this kind of oppression and injustice. We should show the poor compassion, whoever they are and wherever they are. Proverbs 17 verse five says this, he who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. So if we look down on or condescend or criticize the poor, we show contempt for God, their creator. Every person is made in the image of God. We cannot show contempt for people by saying they deserve it. What did we deserve? We deserved God's wrath and judgment. We didn't deserve eternal life and forgiveness and reconciliation. But while we were still far off, while we were still enemies of God, God sent his son Jesus to save us and forgive us. We don't deserve anything. And therefore we're not in a position to judge others. And God is just, so we are called to act justly. Uh, Psalm 146 verse 7, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. As Christians, we are called to be righteous and to act justly because God is a God of justice. We are called to have the same concern as God. Proverbs 29 verse 7, the righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Um, we cannot afford to be indifferent or apathetic or to turn away from those in our community who are poor and are the victims of oppression and justice, whoever they are, whether they be um, children who cannot access educational support, whether they be people who are homeless or people who cannot afford to eat and eat, whether they are the lonely and the vulnerable and the isolated in our, in our community, whether they are those who are who's struggling to access universal credit because they have complex needs, physical health issues. We cannot afford to just walk by like the priest or the Levite on the other side when we see and come across poverty and oppression and injustice in our families, amongst our neighbors and in the communities where we live. And so we are to have the heart of God, the same heart of compassion that the Good Samaritan who models the heart of compassion of Jesus has. In our community, this will be about supporting the food bank um, through prayer or donations for those who are struggling to eat and eat. It will be support for ICON um, financially and through prayer. ICON is, is our local charity that, that supports 
children in school who have complex mental health and psychological difficulties in providing um, support to them. It will be about volunteering or praying or getting involved as a volunteer in the work of BSUM. And if you want to, if you want to get involved um, with BSUM, talk to talk to Mike and Barbara, and they will point you in that direction. It will be about volunteering with organisations like Good Neighbours in the community. Um, of course, Good Neighbours is not running at the moment, but we hope that it soon will be. Good Neighbours supports people in our local community, giving um, people lifts to to the doctors or to hospitals, picking up prescription, um, collecting and delivering shopping, providing just neighbourly um, support through conversation or friendship. All of these things are ways that we can act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. It will be about volunteering for and uh, supporting and praying for Let's Do Lunch. And we're doing, uh, we're giving away lunches again in the October half term. It will be about volunteering to support the work of our seniors ministry and Coffee Stop. Um, now again, these are not running currently, but we hope that at some point they will be again. And these are key um, ministries that gather people together and offer them friendship and support and a sense of community. Because there are so many people in our community who are isolated and lonely, and these are the poor. And, and God says that we are to care for the vulnerable and, and the widow and the orphan. So let's get involved. What about in, in the workplace? Um, I don't know, some of you work in IT, some of you are um, perhaps doctors or nurses or work in schools. Um, some of you work in business, in the business field. How do we act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with our God in those places? Well, surely it's about providing value for money in business. It's about giving workers what they, what they are due, the, the wages that, that, are, that are just and fair. It's about not charging customers more than we should or not um, charging exorbitant interest on loans. Surely it's, a, it's about providing services to our community that do good in our community. Now, whether, whether you're a doctor or a teacher or an IT consultant or a nurse, it's about providing services that do good in our community, that, that enhance the community. And in the business world, wealth generation is a good thing because wealth generation generates education opportunities, it provides employment opportunities, and the distribution of wealth is good for our community. It, wealth generates more wealth. And so we need Christians in business to do justice by generating wealth so that more wealth and opportunities can be generated. And in business, um, especially, there is a particular um, compulsion on Christians in business to do justice. Proverbs 28 verse eight, he who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. Many, many, many businesses believe that there's nothing wrong with paying employees as little as possible whilst just retaining them, but then charging customers as much as possible um, to maximize profits. But Proverbs 28 verse eight says that we shouldn't charge exorbitant interest, that we should pay fair wages, that we should offer loans that are repayable for the poor. And the fair trade movement, for example, seeks to act justly in giving workers fair and just wages. And there are many 
um, non-government organisations that seek to offer loans uh, to organisations without excessive exorbitant interest rates. Business is good when it's used for the glory of God, when it's used to generate more opportunities and wealth to combat the effects of injustice. You cannot combat injustice only through charity work. We have to encourage and support and pray for and, and uh, care for those Christians in business because wealth is absolutely crucial to eradicating uh, injustice. Now we began with the text of Micah 6 verse 8, which is, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Um, this tells us that in order to act justly, it's about attitude. It's about the state of our hearts before God. Those who do justice are those who love mercy and walk humbly with their God. They love mercy. Um, we will love the things that God loves. We will have hearts of compassion and mercy for the poor and the oppressed in our community. We will have a heart that wants to do compassionate deeds in our workplace and through our business practices in order to generate wealth, to lift people out of injustice. We will want through our teaching or our nursing to, to do justice, to care for the poor, um, and to do God's will in the workplace that we find ourselves. As Christians, we, we, it's very easy to be like the Levi or the priest and walk by on the other side. We say, well, the area that I live in is fairly affluent. I don't really come across um, poverty and oppression and injustice. Well, sometimes, folks, we're called to walk across to the other side of the road and not stay on our side of the road. We sometimes feel indifferent. We say, well, it's, it's not my problem. It's not my ministry. This won't do, will it? Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. This was an example, the Good Samaritan, for all of us to follow. Um, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan tells us that the person in need is often someone not like us. Uh, a stranger, or even an, 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 a natural enemy, an enemy of ours, somebody not in our social circle, somebody that we wouldn't normally spend time with. And yet our neighbour is anyone who's in need and who needs our help. And there's a remarkable twist in, in the story um, that I want us to try and understand this morning. Imagine um, Jesus was telling this story um, uh, in, in this way. He's, imagine he said this, a Samaritan was beaten up and left half dead in a road. Then a Jewish man came along the road. He saw him and had compassion on him and ministered to him. Now, can you imagine um, how the Jewish expert in the law would have responded? He most likely would have said, this is a ridiculous story. No self-respecting Jew would ever do such a thing and help a Samaritan. Don't you know that there are enemies? But instead, Jesus puts a Jew in the road as the victim. In other words, he was asking each listener, the Jews that were listening, and that includes you and me, to imagine ourselves as the poor person beaten up in the road with no hope. And the only person that's going to help us is an enemy, a stranger, a Samaritan. And if they don't stop and help us, we're going to die. Now, 
wouldn't you want the Samaritan in that situation to stop and help you, to cross religious and racial boundaries? Of course we would. And Jesus was saying something to you and me like this. What if your only hope was to get ministry from someone who did not only not owe you anything, but who actually owed you the opposite from an enemy? We would have to accept help. And Jesus' punchline is this, Luke 10, 37, go and do likewise. In other words, whoever your neighbor is, even if they're not like you, even if they're a stranger, we're to help them. We're to, we're to support them. We're to love them. We're to show mercy to them. But there's even more to this story. If we're the people in the road needing help, then spiritually, we are all dead in our sins. Paul says this in Ephesians 2 verse 5 um, about Christians. We were dead once in trespasses and sins. So this parable of the Good Samaritan is a picture of our spiritual state as people. When Jesus came into our dangerous world, he came down our road and he didn't walk by us on the opposite side. He entered into our humanity and he Although we'd been his enemies, he was moved with compassion by our spiritual state. He came to us and saved us, not merely at the risk of his life, but at the cost of his life. On the cross, he paid a debt that we could never pay. Jesus is the great Samaritan to whom the good Samaritan points. And the point of the story is this, before we can give neighborly love to anyone, we need to receive God's love and mercy to us in Christ. We need to understand that we have been poor and vulnerable and dying at the side of the road like that Samaritan. And we have needed Jesus, the great Samaritan, to come and rescue us and pay our debt of sin. And when we realize that and we are grateful for that, and we realize it's only by grace that we've been put up on our feet and saved and restored and healed from our wounds, can we even dare to begin to go and serve the poor with an act with, with love and with mercy and with compassion? You see, we can't serve the poor and the oppressed if we are condescending and proud and arrogant towards them. It's only when we realize that we are poor and we've needed the saving work of Christ ourselves, just like everybody else, that we can then go and do likewise. We have received the love and mercy of God. We're called to go and share that love and mercy with our neighbor, whoever that neighbor is, whether they're our stranger, our enemy. Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive us when we have walked by like the Levite and the priest on the other side through apathy and indifference and passivity, Lord, when we've said, not my ministry, not my problem. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, would you give us wisdom to act justly and to love mercy in the workplaces where we work? Lord, in the callings that you've given us, in the, in the streets where we live, Lord, would you make us good neighbors? Great. Uh, would you help us to follow Jesus and be his hands and feet and, and compassion in the communities and the workplaces that we live and are called to? Jesus, forgive us for our apathy and indifference. Lord, remind us of your great love and mercy to us in Christ again. 
fill our hearts with compassion and love and mercy for the poor and the oppressed. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Martin. If ever there was a sermon where we need to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word, then that's one. We can all do something. And uh, if we just get before God and ask him, what are you calling me to do? Then we can respond to the preaching of the word this morning. Well, Sam and Sarah uh, lead us in a response song uh, for us now. Thank you. suffering world this is our prayer bread for the children justice joy peace sunrise to sunset your kingdom increase shelter for fragile lives cures for Justice burns brightly again. 
salvation and bring you their praise. God of the poor, friend of the weak, give us compassion, we pray. Melt our cold hearts, let tears fall like rain. Come change our love from a spark to a flame. Well, thank you, Sarah and Steve, rather than Sam, but thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that you have spoken to us this morning through the preaching of the word, through the songs, through the all-age talk, through all parts of this service. We can't help but be touched by what you've said to us today. But Lord, we pray that we will respond to the preaching of the word. Lord, there is so much need in our communities, so much need in all those that we come across. And so Lord, will you move by your spirit upon each one of us that we might respond in the way that you would have us do this morning and as we take our worship our praise and our prayers from this place and into our daily lives this week may our lives be sustained through the love of our heavenly father may we feel the presence of our savior walking beside us and know the power of the spirit in both our actions and our words May we this week walk the talk and respond to the needs in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you to 